If you have your Bible, turn to 1 Samuel chapter 3. 1 Samuel chapter 3. First Samuel chapter 3. Tonight I want us to consider uh, God's priest, uh, the priest Eli. Uh, and I want us to consider really a detrimental trait of God's priest here, the priest Eli. Uh, first, I, I want us to understand this about him, that he is God's man, and he has been called to a very specific calling. Not everyone could be a priest. This was very specific. It was a very specific job for him under Levitical priesthood. And uh, he was to do the service of God. And in that, uh, he was to keep the light burning in the temple of the Lord. That was one of the many responsibilities that he would have was to make sure that the light, the, the light was burning in the house of the Lord. So if you were to look, and I asked you to turn to chapter 3, but if you went back and looked in chapter 1, you would find uh, that he is so used to seeing things and turning a blind eye in the service of God that he's allowed his sons to do things and to worship Belial and to do some very... Uh, horrible things and he is so used to turning a blind eye and to just look at way that he even falsely accuses Hannah which will be Samuel's mother he falsely accused her of being a woman of Belial simply because she was praying and she was very emotional while she was praying and he said you know accused her of being drunk and a woman of Belial and she said I'm not a woman of Belial like you suppose uh, but I'm a woman of a broken heart. I'm a woman with a burden. And he was mistaken there. <clears throat> but again, I think that clues us in. He has been used to seeing this kind of stuff so much that you know, when he saw her, maybe just rolled his eyes. My goodness, there's another one of them old women of Belial. Let me just say something to her. And, you know, uh, he asked her, how long will she be drunk? He didn't say, get out of here and don't be drunk anymore. He said, how long are you going to be drunk? How long are you going to be this way? So that's what happened in chapter 1. In chapter 2, he's looking the other way while his sons are doing the abominable. They, they are doing things that's just very, very wicked, and I'm not going to take the time to mention that. Most of you uh, here tonight, you'd understand what they're doing anyway. But the, here in chapter 3, he has let the light of God burn out in the temple. Uh, the light that shines out the presence of God, the Ark of the Covenant, that light has burned out. And, and so God has gotten fed up with that. He, he is tired of His loose service. He is tired uh, of this man turning a blind eye. He's tired of him not doing the service in a way that would please him. And so in chapter 3, we'll begin reading with verse 1. And the child Samuel ministered unto the Lord before Eli. And the word of the Lord was precious in those days. There was no open vision. 
And it came to pass at that time when Eli was laid down in his place and his eyes began to wax dim that he could not see. And ere the lamp of God went out in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was and Samuel was laid down to sleep. That the Lord called Samuel and he answered, Here am I. And he ran unto Eli and said, Here am I for the, thou callest me. And he said, I called not. Lie down again. And he went and lay down. And the Lord called yet again Samuel. And Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, Here am I, for thou didst call me. And he answered, I called not, my son. Lie down again. We're going to cease reading with these verses tonight. Here we see a man that has physically laid down to sleep. And I want to use that thought that even though he's physically laid down to sleep, but I think he's already spiritually went to sleep a long time ago. Uh, and here he has laid down, once a great man of God, but now he's tired. He's tired of seeing all the, the people of Belial in the temple of God. He's tired of dealing with his children. So he just turns a blind eye. He's compromising everywhere you look. He's compromising. And now he is settled into a compromising position. Now he just wants to lay down and forget his responsibilities. Oh, he's not concerned about the purity of the temple. At least, Brother Josh, he's not concerned enough to do anything about it. He, even the Lord, the, the Lord judged him very harshly because he said, you just turned a blind eye toward your children. You allowing them to do perverted things in my house. You know, you contrast that with Jesus. Jesus would have platted a whip and run them out. You're not going to come in here like that. Jesus flipped over money tables because the temple was being used in a way that was not good. He flipped them over. He platted a whip and he drove people out because it's the house of God and it'll be the house of prayer. He said, you turn it into a den of thieves. So we know what Jesus would have done, but Eli's not done anything like that. He's just compromised. He has sat down. He has laid down. And, and he's now he's just settled into a compromising position. Just wants to lay down and forget about his responsibilities. He's not concerned about the purity of the temple anymore. And he's not concerned about the light of God shining. He let it go out. Didn't think about it. Didn't check on it. Just let it go out. Now, I want to get this thought on your heart tonight. He's laid down on God. The service is just not that important to him anymore. If someone here is convicted by that thought tonight, I want to encourage you, I want to urge you to rise up and take up your responsibility and let the light of God shine once more. Lord lets us know we can take our light, we can let it you get down, we can let our light, you know, hide it under a bushel. We sang when we were kids. I know I did. You probably did too. Hide it under a bushel. No. I'm going to let it shine. 
But stop and consider, have you got to a point where you kind of let the light of God just kind of flicker out? It's just not that important anymore. And that's kind of where he's at. He's, he hadn't even checked on it. And, and now the light of God has gone out. It's, it, the, the ark of the covenant, the present that shows the very presence of God, it embodies the presence of God, and it's in the dark. He's not concerned. He's laid down on God. Now, if you're convicted by it, I want to encourage you to do something about it. Don't, don't get in that condition. If you are, then you need to get out of that condition. You need to rise up. You need to draw near to God. But tonight, that's not really the burden that's on my heart. If that's your conviction, then you need to do something about it. But, oh... I want to believe that I'm preaching to faithful, faithful men and women, and even young men and young women. I, I, I want to think that that's the way it is here at Mars Hill. That's the way I see it. If it's not the way it is, you've got the wool pulled over my eyes, but you don't have the wool pulled over God's eyes. And, and so, I want to think this, Brother Calvin, that the people here, you're more like Samuel. That you 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 want to serve the Lord, and you've been raised up to serve the Lord, and, and you've kind of given your life over to the Lord, and, and and you evermore are shining your light in the midst of a crooked and perverse world. The darker this whole world gets, if you let your light shine, it's going to shine brighter and brighter and brighter. It's light always shines. Brightest in the dark. You know. You want to see the stars at night. Go to a place where there's not any of this. Residual light around. Not, uh, all these. You, you know. Light from Wiggins. And light from Beaumont. New Augusta. And all that. Uh, you, you get out here in the swamp somewhere. Or they haven't run electricity yet. You get out there and lay on a sandbar somewhere. And look up. And you see stars. That light shines. So the darker things get, the brighter our light will shine if we'll let it shine. And so I want to encourage you tonight with this thought. When, when someone has laid down on God, they don't want anyone else rising up either. That's the way it is with Eli. Eli is already settled in. It, it don't matter about the, the work of God. He's tired. He's gotten old. He, he's served the Lord for long enough. His eyes have gotten dim. He's got a little bit of limitation now on the old body. And he's just tired. And he's went to his place. And he's laid down on God. And whenever this young man comes in and says, you called me. He said, you go back and you lay down again. He comes a second time. Same thing. You go back. And you lay down again. He he does not want this young man bothering him. You you go lay down just like I'm doing. Whenever you're trying to do for the Lord, you can rest assured there's going to be people to try to get you to sit back down. There's going to be people to try to get you to. You, you need to settle down over there. You, you, you need to behave. 
those that have let the work of God slip. And I, I'm sure every one of us here, we know some that's like that. You let, they've let the word of God slip. And the work of God, they've let it slip. And, and, and the service of God, they've let it slip. And it's not important to them anymore. They've kind of laid down on God. You know anybody like that? I, I know plenty that have laid down on God. You can look at a time in their life where they were gung-ho. I mean, full of zeal. Always at church. Always trying to do the work of the Lord. Always excited about God's work. And now, they just kind of don't really see the point. I tell you what, we, we've got to be careful about that because it's contagious. And, and whenever you see someone that's like that, they want you to sit back down too. Go lay down uh, on God again. The, those that have gotten shamed by their unfaithfulness, they don't want to see you rise up. And I know you can go on and read the third time and finally Eli proceed, but if he'd have been looking to the Lord, he'd have been in the center of the Lord's will, he would have known quickly what was going on. It took him all night to understand this, this may be God working on this young man. He wasn't even concerned about that young man's heart. Just go lay back down. Eli said, lay back down, Samuel. You can almost hear him maybe grumble. I'm tired. Go back. Go lay back down. You're underfoot. You're bothering me. Eli wasn't in a place to recognize. You go back to chapter 1. He was not in a place to recognize a prayer warrior like Hannah uh, had a burden on her heart and rather accused her of being a drunk because he hadn't seen that in so long. Uh, he, it took him all night to see that God's working on Samuel. And, and then, if you look over in chapter 4, well, you don't have to turn, we're not going to read that, but in chapter 4, chapter 1, you see him sitting down in the house of God. Chapter 3, you see him laying down on God. Chapter 4, you see him falling over and breaking his neck. Uh, it was a progression. It got worse and worse with him until finally the Lord just took him on out. Oh, won't you consider David just a minute? David rode up on the scene, a very horrendous scene, that, and not so much, yes, there's a giant that's nine foot tall plus, and he is cursing God out on the battlefield, and, and he is cursing his people, and that just tears into his heart. It pulls on them heartstrings, and, and he's convicted by it. He knows somebody should be doing something. But the horrendous part of that scene is he looked at all of God's people, and every one of God's people have laid down on God. Every one of them. He rides up and he says, who's this uncircumcised Philistine out on that battlefield that's cursing my God? Who is that? Don't you notice this now? His brother came and was determined that since he was down, he might as well bring David down with him. You coming out here to spy out the, the battle. Who's tending them few sheep you left? He's trying to tear him down. Why is he doing that? 
Why is he not happy to see his brother? His brother brought provision. Why is he not happy? Why is he not lifting him up? The reason he can't lift up David is because he's not lifted up himself. He's down and out. He has laid down on God. He's given up. He's thrown, he's thrown in the towel. And everybody else is thrown in the towel. And so if we're going to be this way, David said, I'll go. Thank goodness he didn't get caught up in all that mess. I'll go. Oh, you just a little boy. Go back and tell them sheep. Well, if you're going to be like that, I need to talk to somebody that'll listen. He finally got to hear the king, and the king listened. The king heard something he hadn't heard in a long time. Somebody with a little zeal that was willing to talk about his God. Was there not anybody else in Israel that had an experience with God that they could say, God delivered me here. God blessed me here. God helped me in this battle in my life. There was nobody else. And he hadn't heard that. Matter of fact, there's a time when Saul was a man of faith. And, and yet he has not been a great man of faith in a while. And he's intimidated by this big old giant. And when he hears that, well, that's familiar. I believe, brother, but he could probably say, I remember whenever I used to be like that. I remember when my warriors used to be like that. How did we get in this shape? Whatever he said, it convinced Saul that I'm going to give this boy a shot. He's got the power of God with him. I'm going to give him a shot and he let him go out on that battlefield. He had the power. He could have said, no way. No way. Not, not, in, not in this lifetime you're not going out on that field. If you lose, we'll be slaves to the Philistines. I can't let you. I can't let a boy go out on that field. I tell you what, whatever he said worked. He didn't let them get him down. How many of us are we hearing things that other people are saying? It almost sound like there's no hope. We might as well just give up, throw our hands in there and go to the house. Things are discouraging. Things are down. Our government's falling apart. Our country's falling apart. We're not going to be able to get gas in a week or two. Things are just going to get worse and worse. And we, we, Oh my goodness. We might as well just all go to the house. Sad thing is, that's, that's about what's happening across the nation. God's people are getting to a point we might as well just go to the house. Look over at John 21. John 21. Look at verse 2. John 21 and verse 2. There were together Simon Peter and Thomas called Didymus and Nathaniel of Cana of Galilee and the sons of Zebedee and two other of his disciples. Simon Peter said unto them, I go a fishing. They say unto him, We also go with thee. They went forth and entered into a ship immediately, and that night they caught nothing. That's a sad sight. They caught nothing. Fishermen was unable to catch a fish. <laughs> Been there, done that. But I've never had to depend on that for my livelihood. 
I believe that's what they were doing. We're going to go back to what we know. I, I believe this is an account where Peter wanted to just lay down on God. That's what I believe about it. Nothing is going the way he planned. He saw this thing with Christ going a lot differently. We look forward toward a thousand year reign. I believe Peter thought it was going to start in his day. He thought that Jesus was going to establish the throne of David and he was going to sit on it and they were going to rule together. He thought that. And nothing is going his way. Everything is different from what he expected. I believe he looked and when Jesus was was gone and was not with them and walking with them and laying down their head at night together and you know, laying on his bosom at, at supper time and had always running to him when they had a problem. Uh, whenever he was not presently with them in body, uh, that he he said, I know that I feel weak. I feel inadequate. Things have gotten way too hard. So I'm going to return to my old way of living. I'm going to go back to this go back this is a life where a saved man called out to be an apostle was not feeding the sheep that's his first and foremost priority he's been called to feed the sheep but he's not feeding the sheep he's fishing and he's not loving God like he should you know that the one letter that we have in the book of Revelation, uh, the letter to the church, the one that says, I will come and I will remove the candlestick, which means I will remove the Holy Spirit from the church and you will no longer be a church. The one letter was to the church that had left their first love. Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? Jesus felt that. He understood. Peter, you don't love me like you say you do. If you love me, you would feed my sheep. So he is laid down on God. Now, it's hard for us to think that Peter would do such a thing, that Peter would lay down on God. But you know what makes it easier to lay down on God? You know what makes it easier? It, it makes it easier if you can get a few more to agree with you to do it. Whenever you discourage and you complain and you talk about how sour a church is and how dry a church is and how, how I go down there but I'm not really getting anything out of it and somebody say, yeah, I feel about the same way. All of a sudden, that just justified everything. And it's detrimental. It is not edifying at all. If you can get a few to agree with you, he said, I go fishing, and they said, we'll go with you. <laughs> Boy, now whenever you feel guilty about laying down on God, you can kind of distribute the guilt a little bit. Well, I'm not the only one. John is here and his son. Zebedee, you know, they they here and some other disciples. The Bible didn't even name 
there here. And so at least I'm not the only one. And so here they are. And they can distribute the guilt together. You ever heard of this? Misery loves company. <laughs> That's absolutely the truth. Misery loves company. When somebody's miserable, they want everybody in the room to be miserable with them. And, and I'm sorry, but that's just, as a child of God, we don't have any business wallowing around, you know, murmuring and complaining and misery all the time. We don't have no business. God's been too good to us. He has blessed us way too much. But it's easier to lay down on God if you can get others to lay back down as well. Elijah, he said, I'm throwing in the towel. I know he didn't say it in those words, but Lord, I want you, I'm through. You just take my life. It is enough. Take me on out of here. And the reason he said it is because nobody else is doing it with me. What was me? I'm out here by myself. We have an enemy that wants to isolate you, put you out here on the island and make you feel like you in this thing all by yourself. There's nobody doing the old or walking the old paths anymore. There's nobody trying to be righteous anymore. There's nobody trying to be faithful to church anymore. You're about the only one left. I want to encourage you tonight. If the entire world lays down on God. Someone needs to keep the lights on. Someone needs to sing a hymn of praise to the Lord. I tell you what, it's still the blood that stained the old rugged cross. Somebody needs to be singing it. So it's not important for me uh, to be at church. Somebody will be there. I tell you what, somebody needs to be here. Singing to the Lord. Somebody needs to be here making sure that the lights are on. And I'm not just talking about these physical lights. Lord said, take your light, put it on the candlestick. What that means is you get that little light of yours when you got saved and you bring it and join it with the church and let it shine brightly. That's what God wants out of us. It's not time to lay back down. It's high time we awake. What the Bible says, it's high time we awake. Eli laid down on God. Next thing you know, uh, he let the light of God go out. He was burnt out. The light of God was burnt out. Uh, he was wearied. Physically limited with his eyes. That they had gotten dim. Just not worth it anymore. And Samuel begins to rise up. Don't lay back down, son. Don't lay back down. Somebody's calling you. You're bound to be calling me, Eli. No, you go lay back down. Thank goodness by the third time, he said, wait a minute. Maybe God is speaking to the boy. Eli said, go lay back down. You know what's impressive? Well, before I mention what's impressive, let me mention this. People are driving around 
And they're seeing churches that have closed their doors because people have let their light by go out. Churches that are shutting their doors all over this place, all over the country, maybe all over the world. Churches that are shutting their doors. I can tell you right now, some of our churches, you say, well, you know, I remember we had a church up so-and-so. Where's it at now? Why did it burn out? Why are we not doing mission work? Why is it that there has not been a landmark Baptist church established in years? And years. And years. I know some have joined our association, but I'm talking about start from scratch, good old mission, missionary going into a place that uh, we have not been and preach and, and souls get saved and church be established. Why is that? Well, we just need to hold on to what we got. Well, how's that going? I'll tell you what you can do. You can go by and you can see this building. I remember when such and such church was there. What is it now? It's an auto shop. I remember when the church was here. What is it now? It's a tobacco store. I remember we had a church over here. You know these buildings might be a thrift store. And that's about what will happen if we let the lights go out. But I tell you something that's impressive. And I believe I can say this about Mars Hill with my head lifted up. You've got people my age, people, you know, old enough to be my grandpa that have been driving by Mars Hill all their life. And they've been associating with members of Mars Hill all their life. And they may drive by over here and say, I remember when this church had 300 people, now they got 10 going. Just barely can't keep the lights on. And they come by Mars Hill and they say, I remember going by there when I was a kid and the lights were on. And I remember going by when I was a teenager and the lights were on. And I remember going by when I was a young adult and the lights were on. And I remember going by now in my old age and the lights are still on over there. And God's still using those people and they're still being a blessing in the community. So don't think that you're not doing any good. See, I'm one of those people. I remember whenever I was eight years old coming to Mars Hill and the lights were on. Here I am, pastor in Mars Hill, 44 years old, and the light's still burning. And the truth's still being preached and stood for. And so... If you're looking at laying down, I want to encourage you. Go ahead and rise up. Go, just go ahead and rise up and look. Certainly don't listen to those that would try to keep you from rising up. Because if you know, I remember old so-and-so when they were here and you talked to them. And I just don't feel like going to church anymore. I don't see any use in it. Or, or whatever the case, I'm not faithful like I used to be. Pray for me. If you don't watch it. What you'll see is somebody will say, you need to lay back down too. 
Just go ahead and lay down. I want to encourage us tonight, and it's meant to be an encouraging message, but I want us to pray for one another. You may be strong today, and you may be weak tomorrow. I may be weak today, and I may be strong tomorrow. That's why God gave us a church for just such a time as this. That you are able to help me, and I'm able to help you, and we can provoke one another to love and to good works, and we can keep on going, and we keep the lights on. Somebody can say, I tell you what, the service of God is going on faithfully down there at Lawrence Hill. The service of God is still going strong there. You know, Eli had got to a place where he was allowing things and compromised so much that the people of God despised going down to the house of God to offer sacrifice. They despised it because of how things were going at the house of God. Not careful. That can happen. Let's make sure we stand for the truth. Let's make sure we don't lay down on God. You pray for me. We'll ask for something.